Amen. Thanks, Michelle. So uh, last week I briefly talked about ordinary time, this idea that after hearing the extraordinary story of Jesus, we enter into ordinary time as the church, thinking about the extraordinary consequences in our ordinary lives about Jesus. And uh, as a worship group of people who are planning the services throughout the summer, we've been thinking about this idea of what, ordinary, what is ordinary about these stories that we will encounter and what does God do that is extraordinary in them. And so with that kind of lens, we're going to listen to this story uh, of establishing Samuel as God's agent of the word. And notice that the, even though the book of Sam, the first and second book of Samuel are about the kings, lots about Saul and David, they're named after Samuel. And this is the story about why that is. So hear with me the word of the Lord from 1 Samuel chapter 3. So now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until the morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. 
But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So we have three characters, three agents of action in this story. We have Eli, we have Samuel, and we have God. And each of them is doing something distinct, but joining into one grand thing that God is doing. And it might be helpful to know a little bit about each of them. You already know Yahweh, I'm assuming. God, you're gathered here today. But Eli was serving as both priest and judge for the Israelites. At the time, this story follows the book of Judges, the story about what's happening when things are doing all the things that they, people are doing all the things that they think they can do. Everyone's doing right in their own eyes. What they saw was right. Not being guided by God any longer. And so he's serving in this role of being leader as both priest and judge, making him both the political, social, social and religious compass of the people. And Eli has these two sons that are serving as priests underneath him, who are not good priests at all. As you can hear from these words of God that are given to Samuel, these priests are taking advantage of God's people. They're taking offerings that are being offered by God's people, being sacrificed. They're sticking forks in the cauldron as they're cooking and taking out the meat to eat themselves. Instead of those offerings being offered to God, burnt up and rising to God through the sacrificial system that God had put in place. They're telling and threatening people who come to the to the tent of meeting, to the temple of God for worship, threatening them to give them the choicest parts of the meat before they even get to the offering. So they're stealing what belongs to God and stealing from the people of God. And Eli knows that this is happening, and he is slow to respond appropriately. He is slow to do anything about it. He does confront them, but not stopping them from doing what they're doing. I have no idea what that is. I think it's a bird stuck on the ceiling or somewhere. Okay, back to the story. Now, Eli is a little bit slow on the uptake, just generally. We see that in the first chapter, which is where his story with Samuel first connects. Because Samuel's mother is named Hannah, and Hannah comes to the temple, to the place where God's presence is, to pray because she's so sad about what's going on in her life and her family. She comes from a very dysfunctional relationship with both her husband and her husband's other wife. 
She doesn't have any kids, and it's the desire of her heart to have a child. And she goes to pray, and she's praying with such passion, but she's praying in her head even though her lips are moving. And Samuel assumes when he sees her, sorry, Eli assumes when he sees her that she's drunk. And so he doesn't ask her what's going on or what's wrong or what she's in there needing prayer for, but he judges her right right off the bat. So we see that Eli has some issues of doing the right thing, which is pretty ordinary, isn't it? We have some issues doing the right thing or understanding what is happening and not just jumping to conclusions about things. We have pro- it's very ordinary to avoid conflict with people we love. It's also very ordinary to avoid conflict about what's to come in the future because we're afraid of what it means, right? For him to approach his sons about their wrongdoing is to put in jeopardy the future of the priesthood of Israel because these were the priests, and he was the priest, And so we see this hesitancy in Eli that is captured in his old age here as the story describes him as being slow in his eyesight. How does it say it? Uh, Could not see. His his eyesight had begun, begun to grow dim so that he could not see, and he was lying down in his room. But once, once he knows what's happening with Hannah in chapter 1, He says he gives her God's blessing. And what happens is Hannah does conceive with her husband. And she has this child, Samuel, who she has promised to dedicate to God. And so once he is old enough and doesn't need to be fed by her any longer, Samuel is dedicated to the work of God. And that work of God is centered where Eli lives and breathes and does his own work at the tent of meeting, at the temple of God. And so Eli becomes his mentor, his guide. Samuel becomes the servant of Eli. And so when Samuel hears these voices calling out to him in the night, he automatically assumes that it is the one who has been calling on him his whole life. Eli, right? So Eli has taught Samuel some of these ways, but he has not yet taught Samuel how to hear from the Lord. He's taught Samuel how to serve, but not to hear God, whom he has been consecrated, whom he has been dedicated to by his own family. So Eli's dealing with a lot of stuff, He's the leader of these people, and he can't even keep his own sons who are called to be priests of God acting in a way that honors God. And then we have Samuel, whom God begins to call one night. Samuel, who has only known service to this man, Eli, who doesn't know how to hear God among the calls that he recognizes, which are the calls for help or service or needs that Eli has made upon him. Notice how good Samuel is, though. He runs to Eli's bedside each time, thinking, what do you need? I'm here for you. He's a servant in that way. And on the third time, Eli finally figures out that this is the word of the Lord coming. Eli recognizes and finally is lifted above all of that other stuff that's on his mind, those ever-present things that keep us up at night, right? Like, 
the way your kids are acting, the way you're failing at your job, the way that you're letting yourself down and the way that you know you're letting God down, he finally sees that God is still there inviting them and giving them hope by speaking to Samuel. And so Eli teaches Samuel how to hear and know that it is God. Eli does not tell him what God is saying, but instead says, this is what you should say so that you can hear what God is saying. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. That is the beginning of of Eli recognizing that he is no longer the servant of God for his community, for his nation, for the people of God. And that God is keeping his promise to make a way, ensuring a way of faithfulness for his people by bringing in one who will speak the word, not as a priest and not just as a judge, but as a prophet of God. A prophet who always reminds the people of God of God's will, who always reminds the people of God that God is there to invite them to a change in course. And so Samuel hears this word of doom for this man whom has raised him. And he sits with it until dawn. And then Eli calls him again, and he goes, because he's a good servant, and that has not changed in him. And Eli says, you've got to tell me what God has said. And he gives him this little bit of a threat because he wants, Sam, he wants Samuel to recognize that this is truly the work of God, that this is a big deal, what God is inviting him into and beginning in this place. This new thing, God says. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both the ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. I think that's the Old Testament equivalent of getting goosebumps. To know the plan of God, even when it's a word of doom, the end of something that you have built and been a part of, the idea of how you thought it might go, saying, no more. And we know that it is God who has humbled Eli, and it is Eli who has accepted God's invitation to this new plan to fulfill God's will. Because after he hears the dooming message about his family For a second time, because he heard another message about this already, for a second time, he says, it is the Lord. May it be so. Eli doesn't turn to try to fight it. He doesn't turn to deny it. He accepts it and wants to be part of it because it is better to want the will of God than anything else. So his eyes might be growing dim, 
but in this freedom that he finds in accepting the will of God of this passing of the leadership role to Samuel, I think that Eli finds a freedom that he has lost. The struggles that he's had with his sons to not be able to control what they do. His failures and the way that he has disappointed both himself and God, he finds in these words of doom a freedom from God. That he doesn't have to do it because God will do it. And in the next chapter, he dies, but he dies and he's described as one whose heart trembled after the ark of God, whose heart trembled for the presence of God. Remember, the ark of God represents God's presence on earth. And so we see in Eli this this journey down, down, down. But the way he accepted that and played his role of helping Samuel be able to recognize and know how to hear from God of finding the freedom even in the end of what you wanted or thought was good or were just trying your best at. And then we see in Samuel this one who has to learn how to hear the voice of God. How ordinary is that for us? Who has to learn how to distinguish between somebody who needs you for something and the actual voice of God telling you what he needs you to do. There are lots and lots of voices that call upon us. But knowing how to hear that voice of God is done best in learning with one another as a community. As we see Eli helping Samuel to know and understand what he's experiencing as we see Samuel giving that word back to Eli and having it confirmed by Eli. Neither one of them holds this in themselves, but God uses both of them to do it. And this is the beginning of a long life of frustrating words of doom that Samuel has to give. There's there's some positive experiences as well, too. But the people of God are stubborn, and how ordinary is that? The people of God are stubborn and think that they still know what's the right way. And so God continues to send Samuel out. The text describes it as going from Dan to Beersheba, so that's the northern and the southern ends of the kingdom of God at that time. And people recognize that he's the one who's delivering the word of the Lord. But just recognizing it doesn't mean you do it. So Samuel continues to be the one whom God sends to make ears tingle about what he thinks is actually the right way. And the people continue to buck that trend and want something else and tell Samuel that. And Samuel has to do this whole thing where he's talking between God and the people all the time. But this story is the beginning of Samuel learning to hear God, of Samuel learning to be brave and speak for God, of Samuel trusting God 
to be the one who will protect him when he says things that people don't want to hear. And Eli, on his part, shows one who is ready to accept the will of God. Who is ready to continue to be faithful and playing whatever small part they can play in God's kingdom. Three times, God calls and Samuel doesn't quite get it right. And the fourth time, he hears. Because Eli has shown him how to hear. Eli doesn't tell him what God says, but teaches him how to hear. This is the spiritual equivalent of give a man to fish and he'll eat for a day, but teach a man to fish and he'll live for a lifetime. Teaching someone how to hear from God, not just what God has said, becomes the foundation of the furtherance of the kingdom of God. As I was reflecting this week, I could not help but think about the last year and a half in our community. Three times we tried to add staff to our church. Three times we said, is God trying to tell us something here? Three times we asked ourselves, are we missing something? about what God is trying to tell us, about what our community needs for what God has told us is his will for our community. Three times we did not take the bold step, but trying to weasel our way a little closer because it was a good idea to be responsible with our resources, to think about what it means to have a pastor of this size with two pastors. We had to work all ourselves out on those things. And all the while, we kept saying, is God trying to tell us something about what we're experiencing here? And then the fourth time when we finally said, okay, let's just go for it. Let's take this step of faith. God brought us someone so clearly matched and gifted for what we were looking for, for what God's will was for us, is for us. And finally, after three times of hearing no or having the process stopped, there was a yes. Praise be to God. Hearing with one another. Asking like Samuel. Here we are. Learning from our Eli's about what God was actually trying to say to us. Making a decision that's about the future of God's kingdom and being within God's will. Being willing to let go, as Eli was, of what we thought might be and support what will be by God's hand. For we are all called to be prophets, priests, and kings because of Jesus. So Eli was a, a priest and a, and a judge, so a version of the king. And then Samuel became a prophet and a judge before anointing the kings. But in Jesus Christ, we see that all of these roles are brought to perfection. And as we continue to be people who seek to further his kingdom, we seek to be people who further his will among us teaching one another how to hear from God, 
teaching one another to let go and relinquish and be excited and have goosebumps about what God is doing among us and through us as we follow his will. Amen? Let us sing together, asking God to be both like Eli and like Samuel. These are, two, these are not two characters who are set in opposition to one another, even though one who had uh, been failing for a long time and then one is on the fresh new beginning, but are two people who, in the end, show us what it means to say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to you.